of independent thought my name is desmond price no matter where you are in the world i want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts as always we have a great show for you today now here are our topics all right hello everyone welcome back to independent thought i am your host desmond price for today's episode, I am bringing to you my second ever panel-based episode with a great cast of candidates, all of which who have been on my podcast before. Welcoming back to the show, my great cast here today. I'm going to first start with Fresh Faces, New Ideas. I feel like you were just on the podcast. You're now making your second appearance. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Always happy to be here and uh, hope to be back again. Yeah, and also another fellow Twitch streamer, Hard Wooden Sock, also making his second appearance on the show. Thanks for coming back on the podcast today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. We are also joined by Frank Styles, the host of the 336 Pull-Up Podcast, also making his second appearance on the podcast. It's just a day for seconds. Welcome back to the show. Hey, man. Thanks, thanks for having me. I uh, look forward to the conversation. Yeah. And finally, Hunter joining us for his fourth appearance on the show hunter thanks for coming back on the show again how you doing season i need a better point. name that's what i'm realizing everybody else has a cool name i gotta get one <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to work on it after the show but right <laughs> we got a few different topics we want to bring for everyone today you know i had a list of things that are going on in the world right now i felt like each one of these topics could be their own solo episode that i could have done but i thought what we better to do is to have all of these topics talked about today from a panel of great minds. So we got a, a few different topics I'm going to touch on today. But first and foremost, I want to talk about Pacific Gas and Electric. Now, I think I told everybody ahead of time like that we were going to be talking about these subjects today. So I hope you did a little bit of uh, digging into what this company has done over the last few years. But this question comes from a member of my Patreon. So shout out to you. Thank you for bringing this question to me. But mostly what they want to know, and the question I'm posing to all my panelists today, is that companies like Pacific Gas and Electric and them specifically have been responsible for hundreds of deaths, thousands of people losing businesses, property damage, so on and so forth due to lack of infrastructure upgrades over in California, you know, and because of such wildfires have gone crazy the last, you know, few years. What are our thoughts as a panel on companies like Pacific Gas and Electric and other companies up and down the West Coast and how they've contributed to wildfire devastation? I'm going to start with Fresh Faces New Ideas. What are your thoughts on companies like this? Are they being punished enough? What are your thoughts? Um, look, ultimately, my, my thought starts with the fact that I don't think um, the electric grid and just the, the power grid should be privatized. Um, I, I think the results that we're going to ultimately get are not as effective. I think if it's a more nationalized 
uh, system that we can actually deal with these problems and not try to just make the bottom dollar. That's kind of what happened. Why uh, Texas was such a disaster. But look, the the company went uh, child for it filed for Chapter Eleven. It had to pay billions of dollars. It does though appear to be based on what you've sent us. Um, that the company is trying to take the right steps, but this should really have been a warning shot because I think the first time it was dealing with issues was early 2007. Um, but this should be a warning shot for all other type of these electric companies and basically any any uh, privatized uh, energy group. It needs to be start looking if it hasn't already, which at this point would probably make them criminally neg- negligent for when their company starts some type of a environmental disaster, whether it's uh, power failures or wildfires, whatever it is. Um, or if they're uh, not, you know, cyber protected, they need to be getting on to that yesterday because the, the green energy is how we're going to basically exist as a, as a species at this point. And just figuring out how to not make things worse by, you know, burning all the forests down, having people freeze to death is always going to be helpful. So the more that you they put into this now, the better it will be for them um, in the end. Okay, I appreciate that. Hunter, I want you to jump in here next. What are your thoughts on PG&E? Do you think that should we be talking more about what they've done in California or is there too much blame on them? So, I mean, the thing with it is, is that bad things happen no matter what, obviously. And so with a lot of these deaths, I don't know if I hold any one person directly responsible. That being said, I agree that probably we should have more of a nationalized system that way it's not, it's not just a couple of people that can be blamed or that can be looked at as having the full responsibility for a tragedy. Now, granted, like there's that, the campfire that they're paying the lawsuits for and they come up with numbers for what, I think it's like, what, three point, I forget what the number was, but there's a bunch of money they're having to pay out to families of people that died in the campfires and stuff like that. Um, I mean, if I, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I mean, I think that, it's hard to put a monetary value on what these people should get, but at least they're trying to do the right thing, trying to do what they can. So, I mean, in the end, in the end, if we didn't have these private companies controlling these huge systems, we wouldn't have that issue to begin with. Right. Hardwood and suck. PG&E has paid out or agreed to pay out $25 billion in damages yeah. to families, to insurance companies, to businesses, is that enough of a penalty or do you think they got off easy? Well, I mean, it could be enough of a penalty, sure. Um, you know, but fines only do so much. You got to follow it up with regulation. Um, and if they're not, if they're not holding um, PG&E, you know, accountable with the regulations that they have put in place, well, then the government holds some culpability as well. Um, you know, and as far as like the wildfires go, it's not just because PG&E isn't maintaining, you know, their, their telephone poles or, or uh, their electric grid, um, you know, like the way that the forests have been mismanaged over the years is definitely contributing as well, which, you know, would fall on the government. Um, so I, I think that it's a multifaceted issue. Um, it, it needs... We, we need to hold the company accountable through regulation and penalties and the government needs to, you know, accept some of the responsibility as well in cleaning up some of the uh, state forests and whatnot. Okay. Uh, and then finally, you know, Frank, where do you kind of feel yourself at on this whole entire conversation? Do you feel as though 
maybe we're not talking enough about some of the human life that was lost, you know, and some of the financial burdens people have now been taken up by mismanagement of this company because they didn't feel like upgrading their infrastructure. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely do, especially on the fact of when you have large companies like PG&E uh, that, you know, people depend on and, you know, people, you know, they run the power grids and things like that, you know, for them to have the type of the destruction that you've seen with the forests, uh, the deaths that have occurred, all due to some due to negligence, uh, some due to, um, you know, the government not stepping in saying, hey, what are you guys doing? You know, where, where can we help you if you're having issues? I think it's it, I think it's more than that. I'll give you another example. Here in North Carolina, uh, the power company is Duke Energy. Years ago, probably about I think it was maybe five or seven years ago, whatever waste materials they use uh, in providing energy, they they dumped illegally. And so what they have done is they've been taken to court. Uh, and what we found is they've been fined heavily. However, they then wanted to take the cost for their mess ups and put it back onto consumers, hardworking people like us. So I think that you do have to regulate these larger companies um, and start coming down hard on them because if you don't, what's going to end up happening is, you know, the disaster, you have the disaster in Texas, you had now PG&E destroying, you know, the ecosystem and, you know, destroying people's lives. So I agree, government has to step in and they need to be held accountable. These companies need to be held accountable to a higher standard for clean energy and making sure they're doing right also by the consumer and the environment. Absolutely. And I kind of just want to weigh in here a little bit of, on this. What I thought was more, I, I don't even know if I want to call it comical. It, it seems kind of like a, it, it's kind of ridiculous to me. We are, we have a bankruptcy system that more or less allows a company to essentially say like, Hey, we're taking on a lot of losses due to lawsuits here. And this is kind of financially ruined us. So let's file for bankruptcy and then reformulate as a brand new company. Therefore, anything that happened to us in the past, you know, like we can't be liable for here in the future. And I think that that's, that's kind of criminal in and of itself that we're kind of allowed, you know, companies to do that more or less. I mean, you can't file for bankruptcy and get rid of student loans in today's day and age that carries with you no matter what. But companies can say, hey, we've taken on enough losses here. Let's just reformulate and start all over again. We'll call it all good. So I don't understand how that in and of itself makes sense. But getting away from that a little bit, it really strikes me that we are currently living in a system where companies like this can just decide that they don't want to make upgrades their infrastructure because it's not financially, I guess, advantageous for them. And we don't really have any mechanisms in place to punish said companies for that. They can just choose to do it. And if devastation happens, like we saw in California or like we saw in Texas, you know, this past winter, companies are just, they're just good to go. There's no federal oversight for them. Do we think that that should change? I want to open this up to the panel as a whole. So anyone can answer that question. Do we think that that should change at all? Or do you think the system is fine the way it is? Well, I mean, it should change, but the issue is the system is working as intended. These companies aren't designed to produce whatever the, the need is. They're designed is to maximize profit so they can get it. So they produce as much energy as is uh, literally needed at, at the lowest amount they could do. Um, part of the, the other um, not talked about enough part for Texas was um, when they did manage to get power on, they spiked the price. And Greg Abbott at the end of it was like, yeah, you know, you're kind of stuck by yourself. Um, it sucks to be you for, you know, we can't really do anything about these prices. 
And that's, you know, that's another issue of the thing. And and the other thing is, like, one of the fires, um, just based on the link that you gave us, said that one of their towers was 25 years over, uh, overdue for, for replacement. Like, if you have a – I mean, not having a system to replace these towers is, like, a, it is such a, a mind-boggling thing because wouldn't you – like, if you had the towers and they were less likely to be destroyed, it, it would just produce more jobs for you. So you could say, look, we're not the company that's doing this, especially after it happens one time. And then – I, I, but I guess it's it's like a national issue with just the infrastructure is we're basically scraping by with whatever the bare minimum of it is. And if something breaks, well, as long as it's not like complete and utter devastation, we'll just go back to the way things are. You know, I, I think that the way that they have it now, where it is all these private companies, it kind of creates that problem. Like it's going to make it so that down the road, if you want to actually have something fixed, it has to be all about a financial motive. There can't. It, in the real world, there's a lot of things that aren't financially beneficial that are like, I guess I would call it human capital beneficial. It benefits our lives and makes our lives better, but there's not like an actual financial incentive to it. So they, they don't have the ability as a company. I respect what companies are and I think they're needed in a lot of things. But when it comes to like public health and safety, corporations have way too much leeway and just, I, I mean, the regulations would help with that a lot, I think. Well, we do regulate a bunch of things, right? Um, for instance, you know, I, I know like the Florida tragedy, which happened recently with the building collapse, right? Like there are regulations like to have these things inspected and to get them replaced. Now, if we're not holding, you know, these companies accountable in following these regulations, um, you know, I don't know if the specific regulations are in place in California, uh, per se, you know, to um, inspect the polls and, you know, get them on the list to be changed out, which I, I believe they are, according to that video. But, um, you know, like we need we need like an enforcement arm to make sure that they actually follow through instead of just a monetary penalty, you know, um, maybe a monetary penalty, because then, you know, like like Desmond brought up with, you know, you, you can just file for bankruptcy if you take on too many losses, right? So you, it can't just be a monetary penalty. There, there has to be something else, you know? Um, I don't know what that, that something else is, but uh, I'm pretty sure these regulations are in place to make sure it happens, but we're, you know, maybe the government's understaffed and not enforcing it enough or some, something like that. You know, and, and I think that's where the issue is. Okay. So Wait, I have I have one thing to, to bring up for the penalty score. Um yeah, so sure. when you're talking about like a secondary penalty, I was trying to kick around a way that it would work. But if you have a company that is consistently um either causing these problems because their infrastructure is not set up or they're uh, they're dodging it through bankruptcy, I think one of the enforcements would be a threat would be a threat for them to be dissolved as a private entity and be absorbed into the government because at that point, they're they're no longer profiting for the people, the good of the people, and they're a detriment. Like at some point, it, it like maybe you call it under some type of national security issue because if we're losing um, electricity in the same way to these fires, or in the rolling blackouts, or if people are freezing to death, or um, in the case of a colonial pipeline, if a quarter of the country loses the ability to uh, get access to, to to oil, that's like a huge issue. So. That's a possible. I don't know the the total logistics or how ultimately that would work, but maybe that's some type of um, detriment besides just a monetary uh, 
uh, penalty for them. Anyone see any issues with that? Uh, so, but the, I, I have one issue with it, which is if you just absorb those things into the government, then that doesn't stop the people that caused the problem in the first place, going somewhere else, finding another thing, a big level thing and screwing that up too, because they've got all this money and they, you know, they just keep that power and then they just find a new avenue to keep making money. Also, I, I would be cautious of government overstepping into a bunch of aspects in our life because um, the government has shown time and time again that it uh, is not exactly great at taking care of its people. So I, I would be uh, very cautious about the government taking over my, uh, my, my electric, you know. <laughs> right. Now, this is why I, I said this would be something that would have to be debated as for um, – you know, if, when you're talking about people like parachuting out, I imagine be golden parachutes, you could uh, add some type of stipulation that if your company is absorbed by the government, uh, if we're going this route, you can, um, to whoever, like the assets of the company are dissolved, they don't get a golden parachute on the way out. So that person, then instead of being, you know, I made 80 bajillion dollars uh, on my way out as I fucked this company. That person then has the like a black mark on the record. Right. I, again, I, this is just something that I would, uh, I would, you know, just a possible, you know, extra type of a incentive against fucking this shit up. Frank, I want you to jump back in here for a second. How do you feel about the federal government possibly taking over a private company if they make too many mistakes or you know cause too much damage? Well, it, it depends on how they're going to take it over, right? Because if you're in business. And I'll give you an example. If you get a line of credit from the bank and you default on that line of credit, there's an agreement between you and the bank that says that we can come in and reorganize this whole organization the way that we want until this debt is paid. So if, you know, to my, the, the, the last panelist that said, uh, hey, if they're fucking it up, <laughs> you know, they should be able to come in and step in and do something. Now, take it over completely. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in agreement. I'm like, they, we can barely get them to do the necessary things that we need to do <laughs> for for people today. You know, you know, look at this whole pandemic thing, you know, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree with them taking it over completely. But at the end of the day, when we're talking about this, someone needs to be held accountable, if not the company um, and, you know, them them being punished in some type of way, whether they can't go into business or. Someone else, because all companies, let's, let's just put it this way, all companies aren't bad, right? All companies that are provided, some companies are, there, are out there doing the right thing, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. Give those companies an opportunity to come in and, and, and you know, do the right thing. So, you know, it's, it's a catch-22. Like, what are you going to do? And I, I guess that's why we're having here, sitting on this panel today, having right. this great conversation, you know, so... Yeah, and I just want to close by saying, you know, thanks you to all, all of you who gave your opinions on this. This is a conversation that I feel like should be had should be being had more on places like Capitol Hill, but unfortunately, it feels as though no real oversight ever truly comes through there, not without some kind of financial incentive anyway. But instead of talking about that, I want to talk about something that is a little more pressing to our everyday lives: the COVID nineteen vaccine. So. Right now, there is, I think the last time I checked, about half of our country is currently vaccinated, and there is an enormous push to get more and more people vaccinated. It has caused a lot of tension for a lot of people in this country. And 
I'm almost even afraid to talk about it because I feel like if you say the wrong thing about vaccines on any kind of platform, you are liable to be canceled, but we are going to talk about it anyway. So the first topic I want to talk about here, because we have two different ones particularly, but the first one I want to talk about is why are people not getting vaccinated? There are potentially several different reasons. It could be a combination of reasons. Is it distrust in the government? Is it distrust in the media? Distrust in pharma, maybe? Or is it just conspiracy theories? I want to hear everyone's thoughts on this. Uh, Frank, you went last last time, so I want you to go first this time. What is your thoughts on this situation? Why do you think so many people in America are refusing to get vaccinated? Um, there's a couple of different reasons. I think you gave uh, a, a lot of the reasons just in opening into this topic. Um, let's just start. Let's just start from um, you know the African American standpoint. So the African American standpoint, you 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 hear them all the time saying, you know, hey, you know, we need to get it to these neighborhoods. We need to make sure that you know black people and brown people uh, have access to this vaccine. Well, when you go back and you look into history. What has happened with African-Americans, the Tuskegee experiment, a lot of people think, think of that immediately, right? You know, you know, this was forced upon us. You know, now they're trying to force something else upon us that's been done within six months. It hasn't even been approved yet. Why should I take this? I don't know what's in it. Um, so that's, that's that perspective. But then you have also have the perspective of the CDC. I don't think the CDC understands what's going on with it, because if you go into their website and you look at what they say regarding the vaccine, it's all over the place. You know, one day it's, hey, wear a mask. That prevents everything from happening. It prevents you from catching it. But then it's like, ah, well, no, don't wear a mask. You've been vaccinated. You're good to go. But then we're right back to, oh, I think we need to wear a mask to protect others. You can still catch it. You can still give it to other people, but wear a mask. So I think that's a problem. So that goes back, that lies with the government. What, are, what, what is really true and what is really not? You have to be more clear and more conscious when you're talking about something as serious as this because people watching the news are just as confused. So you throw in conspiracy theories, you throw in social media and other platforms that some of them are just telling outright lies about it and then you make it political. Now you have just... A, you know, just a tendency for a perfect storm. And that's where we are, in my opinion, in today's society. You know, people are starting to say things like, oh, it's none of your business if I'm vaccinated or not. I mean, you know, but we also forget that probably the majority of those people that say it's none of your business if I was vaccinated or not, probably got vaccinations before they could even start school. So, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, what, what are you going to do? I think that people have to trust trust in what they believe, allow them to make their own decision. I'm all about, hey, if you want to get vaccinated, that's on you. If I want to get vaccinated, that's on me. If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's on you. That's okay too. But at the end of the day, you know, it's your choice to decide which route you want to go. But I think that, I think that these so-called entities have to be more responsible, responsible about the information that they're giving to the American people. Okay. I understand your take completely. You know, just before we go any further into this, I want to just say, I guess, probably just for like, you know, cover your own ass sake, that um, definitely talk to your doctor about vaccines. You know, we are five panelists giving our opinions about vaccines, but, you know, definitely, you know, don't take any one of our opinions as gospel. Just want to kind of cover myself, myself there. Uh, but let's transition now to Hardwood and Sock. 
I know that you and I have had some conversations about vaccines, whether or not that they're safe. I think I came on your stream and we had this conversation a couple of months ago. Lots happened since those last couple of months. So wh where do you currently stand on this? Like, why do you think so many people are still choosing not to get vaccinated? Um, well, I, th I think there's a, a few reasons, you know, um, you know, kind of echoing what you and um, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I forget the last panelist's name, but, um, you know, like kind of echoing those sentiments and then like adding on to that um, is what with the science that is coming out um, about people who are vaccinated and people who are unvaccinated um, in regards to transmission and, and whatnot, it, or in regards to lockdowns, um, it, it's just, it's very up in the air and very wishy-washy. You know, like you, you have studies coming out of Massachusetts where, you know, roughly 60% of the people who, you know, got infected with COVID in this experiment were vaccinated. You know, four of the five that were hospitalized out of, you know, these few hundred people were vaccinated, you know, so only one fifth of those were, that were hospitalized were unvaccinated, you know, so like there, there are these studies that are coming out that are very, that are very concerning, you know, for people and people are like, well, if I'm still going to get the virus, if I'm still going to, you know, possibly end up in the hospital, like, what's the point? Oh, and if I if I'm going to get the vaccine, oh, we're still going to have to lock down and wear masks anyway because case numbers are still going to go up, you know. Like, you put all this together um, on top of like certain conspiracy theories, and then, and then it's like, well, or you know, like history, like atrocities that have happened in in the past from like the pharma companies. Like it it, it makes sense why so many people are hesitant um, and. You know, like I tell everybody, talk to their doctor, make your own decision. You know, I love everyone equally, you know, just I, I want everyone to make the best decision for themselves, you know, and, and like, that's what we have to do. Everyone go talk to your doctor and, you know, make a make the best decision you feel for yourself. Okay. Fresh faces, new ideas. I want you to jump in here next. Vaccines have become... I feel like this is like the main thing dominating the news right now. I think it's the only thing dominating the news right now, especially as we're seeing mandates come down. We're going to get to that here in the next topic here. But why do you think that so many people are against this vaccine? Like, do you think that it is, do you think it's appropriate or do you think there is a lot of disinformation out there? Or do you think that it's rightfully so? Because as people will point out, FDA hasn't cleared it yet. CDC has been inconsistent. Government's been inconsistent. Where do you fall on this? Um, look, so yes, obviously this is the biggest issue because prior till basically the last week, nothing else was happening and then Afghanistan went to hell. Um, but look, so there's a lot of reasons. One, there's studies done that Americans are are more conspiratorial than, than other nations. We do have a larger output of uh, fake news. And we, look, there were missteps, obviously. Um, I think the CDC revoking the original mass mandates um, as people were vaccinated was a problem because they thought that people would um, be vaccinated and they'd say, okay, well now I'm just going to do that to not wear the mask. But the people who were complaining about wearing the mask weren't wearing the mask anyway. So they weren't going to get vaccinated. And look, there are a lot of studies and there's, um, there, there are things that need to be done better by the media. Like for example, the, uh, the people who are talking about VAERS, there needs to be a better explanation of what VAERS is so that when people cite data, like, oh, there's 7,000 deaths tied to the vaccine, 
you can be like, well, no, that's not accurate. Um, there's also needs to not be headlines like person got vaccine then died, but then you read the article, they got hit by a bus. Um, you, you know, when we talk about, oh, you can still get it. Well, you have to, you know, argue the numbers. Statistically, getting it is like significantly less than the chance of not getting it. And, um, and then even if you do get it and you have the ability to spread it, if I'm, if I, I'm vaccinated, if I get COVID, but I'm asymptomatic and I spread it, the person who's more likely to get it from me spreading it is still somebody who's unvaccinated. So yes, while there have been some missteps and there are people who are maliciously spe- spreading uh, rules, uh, rumors about this or lies, getting vaccinated is the answer. It's ultimately how we're going to stop the spread. The more the Delta variant is able to spread, the, especially in, in other countries, um, we have whatever the Lambda variant, or there was like 10 minutes where there was a Delta plus variant. I haven't heard anything about that since. Um, the more likely it is that we're going to have to deal with longer term consequences and possibly a second round of vaccinations. Um, the, the need for more people to get vaccinated is, is the answer. Um, yes, there are studies like Sock noted, the Massachusetts, where things like that happened, but those appear to be more outliers. The, the numbers overwhelmingly show that you are more likely to be safe getting the vaccine from, from COVID and then not get hospitalized. Um, so we need to really do this push um, to get people vaccinated. You can see just the numbers are spiking back up. I mean, we're at almost the, the, level, the numbers in Florida and Texas are worse than at any point during the pandemic. And we had a year where we didn't have a vaccine. Like, how do you, you, how do you square that circle? Like just saying that, oh, cases are rising now, so I can't get vaccinated is, is just a thought line that doesn't make sense because the reason cases are rising is because people aren't getting vaccinated is not, and we have a more contagious spread. Okay. Hunter, I want you to join us here. Last but not least, come in and join us. Why do you think people aren't getting vaccinated? Uh, so I'm not vaccinated uh, because I'm lazy and I don't feel like it. It's thing is, <laughs> thing is, you know, like it's, gonna it's gonna get you one way or another the COVID's gonna get you i'm pretty sure they're gonna keep it around it's too good for ratings and they're never gonna let it go they're gonna always have another variant another word it's gonna be covid 2226 version and they're gonna have another one in a new thing and whether you wear the mask or don't wear the mask get the vaccine don't get the vaccine it's always gonna be in like at least for another five years they're gonna have something about it i might as well go outside on a sunny day and bring an umbrella just in case because you're gonna die. We're all gonna die at the end of everything. And if we have rates on this, if you're vaccinated and it's low rates, great. Then we should get the vaccine, stop wearing the masks. Unless you feel like it, you should wear it if you feel like it, but we shouldn't tell people what they have to do with their lives while at the same time telling them that even if you do the thing that says everyone can go back to normal, you still can't go back to normal. It's really screwed everything up. I wore the mask. I didn't like it, didn't think I should have to, but I wore it until they said, there's a vaccine, you get the vaccine, everything should be fine. I said, thank God, we're finally done here. We're gonna get the masks off, we're gonna have fun, we're gonna get the vaccine. And then like, fuck, three months, three months tops before they're like, you know what, Never mind. new COVID, gotta have everyone go back inside and keep your masks on again. And I'm like, when does it end? When does it end? All right, Hunter trying to get me canceled on this platform. I love it. No, but you know, I I think you're echoing something that is, I'm going to open up discussion to the whole panel here. I think you're echoing something that is, I think, felt by millions of people in this country. It is a combination of 
disorganization throughout how our information has been disseminated to us. So the CDC has come out and said, you know, originally, you know, like you should do this with social distancing, then you should do this with how you should be wearing your masks, and they change their they change their information, so on and so forth, which is okay at the end of the day. It's okay to update information as you receive new information. I don't expect people to have all of the answers at the beginning of a worldwide pandemic, something that we haven't seen in our country in over a hundred years. But a lot of this, in my mind, does kind of fall on our institutions who provide us information. They've done a terrible job at keeping the public well-informed. And due to that fact, there is now a lot of mistrust because people are confused as to why we're seeing what we're seeing in the pandemic. And so I clearly personally understand why there is so much distrust when you combine that with the fact that some people do have credible questions as to why the government is going so far out of its way to push a vaccine, but they're not able to go so far out of the way to push people or like give people free insulin or give people free healthcare in other ways. And they're saying, why are we getting this vaccine for free? Which in my mind does make a little bit of sense why they're giving you the vaccine for free and other pieces of healthcare for free because this disease is infectious. But those those questions are out there. People are skeptical of their government, of pharma, of their media. I want to open this up to everybody now, though. Do we think as a panel that we're ever going to get to a point where we can, as a whole nation, trust this vaccine? Is it going to be a matter of time? Or is the distrust already too deeply rooted because of everything that's happened to this point? It should um, be a matter of time. But in reality, it's going to be a matter of, of, of people dying off. Um, look, this, this vaccine is overwhelmingly effective. Um, the, the idea that it, uh, that it isn't is just belayed by all the numbers. Um, this, the, let's, let's, just, let's just scroll through memory lane of this year. Joe Biden took office. We were losing about 4,000 people a day. That lasted for about a month as the vaccine rollout started. And then the numbers plummeted. Prior to this week, we were where it started spiking in the last month. We were losing somewhere roughly between three and four hundred people a day, which is a ninety percent decrease, and that is partly due to vaccination. I'm sure all of us have remembered. I know. I know time is no more meaning, but all of us remember two months ago when we were all talking about white boy summer because it looked like we were rounding the corner, and then. It, cases started spiking because the the variant that spread faster that they were talking about when when the vaccination rate started to slow they say hey look this variant is still here it's more it's more uh, contagious and we still need to deal with this. this isn't going away so we actually have evidence within the last couple of months that this stuff works and this is an effective way unfortunately there's still people who will nitpick on little facts like oh why don't we make this uh, why don't we make all medicine um, free. Yeah, I'm for nationalizing healthcare. And I, I swear to God, I'm not actually about nationalizing every single thing. There are just certain things I think the government can do better than private corporations. Um, and yeah, you want to you wanna get into the argument, oh, big farmers making money off this? Yeah, of course it is. Big Large corporations make money off of everything. Uh, I'm sure that's a massive reason for why we Afghanistan was so screwed up. But this idea like that we can't trust it because a corporation is making a profit off of it, doesn't like what how do you exist that way because then you can't you basically have to go live in a in the woods and and make your own fire to not have any access to other corporations the the vaccine is effective and we have to keep pushing it because that is the way to get out of it the way to uh if we get the the 70 to 80 percent of people who actually need it um because that's what they say we need for herd immunity so that we can get a better handle on this that is what we need to do and it can't just be for here 
because as bad as it's going to be here, they're talking in Africa, they're talking 50% of their population, 50% of their population vaccinated by 2024. Like, it doesn't matter if we're all vaccinated and then it, we get uh, Zeta or Omega virus out of, uh, um, out of Africa and, it, and it, it kicks the shit out of the, uh, the, the protections we have. And for the people who also are saying, well, you know, I got it, so now I'm not going to, I have the antibodies. They did studies on that. They said, yes, you are protected, but it varies. If you got the wild type, which was the original strain of COVID, it doesn't have the same protections against um against Delta. If you are got the antibodies because you had COVID and then you get the, um, the vaccine, you are more protected and even less likely than somebody else. It is The data is overwhelming. If you don't understand the questions or you have questions about this, ask your doctor. Don't go online because if you go online and you Google this, there's a good chance you're not going to either understand the sources that you're looking at or find sources that are you know jacked up by algorithms where you end up with uh, or you look at bears and you say, okay, well, 7,000 people have died. Or, you, or you, you look at like bits and pieces of sources that aren't accurate. It's you need to talk to medical experts. And then finally on this, the, the idea that people say, oh, it needs more testing. The reason it was pushed out so quickly was because they did multiple layers of testing simultaneously because they cut through a lot of the red tape to get it out because it was such emergency. And also for those people who say it needs more testing, can you tell me what testing you would do that the people who do this for a living and the, the, that they wanted to get right, have not thought of or done that you would be okay with? Like, what is the level that you would be acceptable? So I think, look, realistically, the best way for this to happen is there's going to be such a push because it's going to be so uncomfortable for the people who are unvaccinated. All right. Um, so I'm, I'm going to push back a lot on, on what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> um, you know, like, I love you, man. But all right. So when we have articles come out that say that the viral load is the same in vaccinated individuals who come down with the virus as unvaccinated individuals, right? It's very, it's reasonable to believe that the virus is going to continue to mutate whether you're vaccinated or not. If the viral load is the same, it's gonna be transmitted the same, right? So whether you're vaccinated or not, the virus is still gonna transmit. It, it's not about immunity. It's about you know slowing down symptoms, right? Helping reduce symptoms, which I would agree with you that it does work there, all right? And it does slow transmission, but it doesn't prevent transmission. Um, and if it did prevent transmission, well then vaccinated people would have nothing to worry about and it, nobody would be getting sick, right? But the fact, like, I haven't gotten an answer from anyone to, uh, on this question, which is, you know, if the viral load is the same, right? What what is preventing it from mutating, right? What is preventing it from spreading? Whether you have the vaccine or not, if the viral load is similar, you know, it, it's. I, I feel like it makes sense that it's going to continue to spread, whether you're vaccinated or not. So, like, there are there are stats out there, you know, that point to, you know, even if, even if we all get the vaccine, the virus is still going to spread, right? Like it, it, it's very similar. Like if you get it, like, I'm not trying to compare COVID to the flu, but you know, if you get the flu vaccine, right, guess what? You can still get the flu that year. Like it's, it's very possible. So like, we're not talking about immunity. We're talking about lessening of symptoms, right? which is great, don't get me wrong, that's great, but it's not gonna prevent transmission. And right now we're focusing on, you know, the case numbers going up, you know, but we're like, 
deaths are going up a little bit, yes, but from what I've seen so far, the Delta variant isn't nearly as deadly as previous variants, right? It's more transmissible, yes, which is acting more like a virus, right? As more variants come out, it, be, it tends to become more and more transmissible with less and less of the deadly effects. Um, so it, like to, to sit here and say, like the only way we're getting out of this is if we all get vaccinated, I, I don't see it. The only way we all get out of this is, this is if the government chills out, you know, and lets people live their lives. Wait, can I can I push back on a couple of things? Just okay. Sure. So the I understand. I know what you're talking about. The, the the study that was like right when they figured out that Delta can affect vaccinated people. But it's not just the just because the viral load is the same doesn't mean the chance of you getting it. So while yes, the viral load between me and an unvaccinated person might be the same, but the third person. That is the person that is the that is the the next person is where the barrier is. Um, if if I'm vaccinated, me catching it from a vaccinated person is higher than for me if I'm if I am vaccinated. So if you still have the barrier, so even if you have a breakthrough case where somebody gets sick from the uh, from it, the chance of them spreading it to a vaccinated person is still lower. And the reason we know this is because cases dropped. So it's not like the uh, um, the uh, um, the data for it to say that like the cases were the same, like inter something changed. Like we have to, we, we, we acknowledge that something changed between the, the, the start of the Biden administration and now, and that was the introduction of the vaccines, which demonstrably dropped all of the numbers and part of, and look, and I understand that the Delta variant doesn't appear to be as deadly. And I think that's part of a combination of the virus may not be as deadly. And we kind of already know how to deal with this. Like we have, we have a uh, Regeneron, we have some these, these, these treatments that can help us deal with it. I think that's part of the reason with the the increase in or the decrease in deaths. So, Answer, so Frank, you want to like, jump in here? All right. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, so I, I'm just saying, like, here's the thing. I, I like the way we handle the flu. It's your personal responsibility. If the vaccine is effective for the flu and you weigh your risk and reward to get the vaccine, you now no longer have to worry about everyone else that doesn't have the vaccine because it's effective. With COVID, we were told the vaccine's effective. So then if you get the vaccine, you don't have to worry about all the people that decide not to, they can die, that's their own choice. But now they're telling us again, that it's no longer okay for you just to get the vaccine. You now still have to worry about everyone else and you have to get the vaccine. It's just not gonna add up. There's never gonna be a time in our existence where you're gonna get all of America to agree with that. So I think I wanna kind of jump in here for my piece on this a little bit. I think, the issue more or less comes down to the fact, I kind of want to touch on two different points here. There's a lot of demonization of people who aren't getting the vaccine right now. And I understand why so many people are angry about this, but I kind of want to, I've said this on Twitter a couple of times the last couple of weeks, but I kind of want to shift focus here a little bit because as people are talking about whether or not people should get vaccinated, something that you said, I think fresh faces in the beginning was that you know, Africa, for instance, is still not going to be getting vaccinated for years to come. And I think the large part because of that is because these pharmaceutical companies, again, who were being asked to trust right now, decided that rather than themselves caring about the people of this world and whether or not these people are vaccinated, they want to continue making as much profit as humanly possible off the vaccine 
which is why they won't open up these patent protections and allow other countries to make generic versions of this vaccine, which is why so many countries around the world right now have such low vaccination rates, because instead of being able to distribute their own vaccines, they're relying on COVAX to you know, have these donated vaccines to them, which I think as of right now, the US has only sent out 100 million doses around the world for you know, our global population of 7 billion. So if you, for instance, if we're taking the Pfizer vaccine, that means that the world would need 14 billion or 14, yeah, 14 billion doses of this vaccine in order for the globe to be uh, vaccinated. But we only sent out 100 million doses so far. And so while the rest of the world is thoroughly unvaccinated, and a lot of these countries are begging for a vaccine, this virus will just continue to mutate in other parts of the world and make its way here. So that is a massive issue. So while we're debating here in America about whether or not people should get vaccinated, the rest of the world is struggling. I mean, Iran is dealing with deaths right now. Indonesia is dealing with deaths right now. Japan, a first world nation, only has like 10% of their population vaccinated right now. It's a giant mess. I, I truly don't understand why, you know, instead of focusing on getting people in, in America to get vaccinated, which I also think is an important thing to incentivize people to get vaccinated. but it does. It is truly baffling to me that we kind of put some pressure on pharma in the beginning to open up patent protections, but now more or less we've gone away from that conversation altogether, which I think is criminal. Are we open now? Oh yeah, jump on in. Uh, look, it's that's it's just money. Um, also, even if you're one of those people who believe that a uh, American hegemony should. Continue a, a way to in to uh, to influence through soft power would be to for us to donate these because otherwise they're going to get um, the Sputnik version which varies how effective that is or whatever China's variant of the the vaccine I don't I legitimately do not know what the name is I I haven't I I probably should look that up when I'm talking about this um, but like it's it's an ability you know if you're coming in to build these because they they I think part of the problem is not just the, the release of the patents, it's the, um, it's the actual manufacturing of the, the vaccine. There was the, there's bottlenecks to it. So figuring out how to build the factories or, or to train the people to get the vaccine would be a benefit for, for I imagine, whatever country that we help to do it that way. Um, this, this, the actual, like, uh, spreading it to other countries is not, giving the vaccine to other countries is not something I've spent a lot of time looking into. I've kind of been focused on trying to help America get vaccinated. You know, if the pandemic is something that affects everyone globally and we're willing to dump billions upon billions of dollars into making sure that Americans are vaccinated because it's a national security risk or it's a national health risk, and we know that the virus itself will mutate in other parts of the world and make its way here, logic would dictate that we would spend money here to make sure that other facilities in the world can be built. Therefore, those countries can create their own vaccines. Therefore, we would essentially be lowering its ability to mutate by allowing more of the globe to become vaccinated as they choose to. But choosing whether or not to get the vaccine is the next topic, because we are now going to be talking about vaccine mandates, which have been popping up not just here in America, but in other parts of the world. But we're gonna focus here on America just for the beginning here. New York City and San Francisco have both come out with vaccine mandates for indoor activities, such as going to restaurants, going to the gym, going to the bar. The military has made it 
uh, mandatory for all service members starting September 15th, I believe. And certain schools and universities are also making it mandatory as the University of Indiana just came out and said that it is requiring students to be vaccinated, which was just appealed up to the Supreme Court this past week and was struck down by Justice Amy Coney Barrett. So that will stay in effect. Vaccine mandates are the hottest topic in my mind right now about what's happening here in this country. And so I wanna start this conversation off with hardwood and sock. What are your thoughts on vaccine mandates? Are you okay with them? Are you not okay with them? Tell me your thoughts on this. Um, well, I'm sure this is gonna come as a surprise to everybody here, but I am 100% not okay with this at all. You know, like what we're talking about, you have to walk around with proof that you got vaccinated, right? For a vaccine that you can still catch the virus, you can still pass on the virus, right? Like that, that doesn't stop because you're vaccinated, right? Like these, these vaccines work way different than what we're talking about, like with, uh, with polio or with, um, you know, measles, you know, mumps, rubella, like, like those are, those give you immunity that these vaccines, like they're giving you partial immunity. Yes. But they're not giving you complete immunity. They're, they're helping you, you know, with, you know, some of the symptoms, which is great. But, you know, for me, for the government requiring me, right, to walk around with a card, right, to go into a restaurant or to go into a grocery store, right? I mean, something sounds a little off there, right? We, we shouldn't have to show our papers to do these things, right? We, we, we all, like, basically, you have to get vaccinated to participate in, in society with this vaccine that, you know, isn't fully approved, do, you know, doesn't prevent transmission, you know, like, like it just, it's insane to me that, that like, we're okay with this, right? Um, and, you know, if you want to do some soft incentives, you know, like offer cash or, or something else, you know, that's fine. But then also you have a, a legal liability now if you're, if you're mandating these things, right? If you're mandating these things and you have an adverse effect to these vaccines, well, guess what? Guess who's on the hook for it? Oh, not the pharmaceutical companies because the, the government gave them immunity, right? So now it's going to have to be the government, right? So like, like there's so many issues that go on behind this and, and we're just like, oh no, force everyone to do it. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right, Frank, I want you to jump in here next. How are you feeling about vaccine mandates? You know, as as we are seeing these crop up now, I think little by little, I think we saw like New York pass theirs, I think was a couple of weeks ago. San Francisco came down with theirs just this week. Military kind of came out also this week and said about what they're going to do with service members. It feels as though this is going to start being a snowball effect across the country. Some people think this is a good thing because it's going to make people more safe. Do you feel the same way? Do you think the ends justify the means here? Uh, I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's a, it is a good thing because I think all of us can agree on this panel. We know that COVID is real, right? Because there are people out here, there are people out there that truly don't believe that we're even in a pandemic, right? So in places like New York, where we knew at one point in time, it was rampant, people were dying and it was just, it was horrible in New York, one of the largest cities in the United States. So I can understand that fact um, here in North Carolina. They just recently passed their mandate uh, this past Friday, uh, which says whether you're vaccinated or not, 
uh, you will be required to wear a mask, uh, you know, in public places. So that was just passed this Friday as of 5 p.m. So I think it's a good thing because what scares me the most are those that are using this as a political tool because they just they, they don't believe that this is true. So my concern has always been, even before the vaccination was, well, I'm staying in the house. I'm not, you know, I'm just going to the places I need to go because I don't, these people are saying that they don't believe this is real and people are dying from this, you know? Um, and so for me, I think it's a good thing. I think that you have to have something to protect. Think about businesses. Think about how many businesses were shut down uh, because of COVID. So for businesses, they, what else can they do? I mean, they have to put something in place to try to protect their business so they don't already, you know, so they don't lose money, more money than they have already lost from the previous year. So something has to be in place. Now, you can also have the argument like, hey, if this is a free country, uh, if this is something, you know, if, if, if we build, this is what the, our forefathers built this country on, having the freedom to do if you, what you want, so to speak. Um, I also understand that some people are going to be like, well, you know, I shouldn't have to do that. You know, I, I don't think I should have to do that. It's, it's, it's my right. You're telling me something that I don't, I, I have a right to do. I mean, think about Florida. Florida is one of the states that, <laughs> unfortunately, conservative state, right? Governor, very conservative. Uh, governor, in my opinion, I don't think he believes in masks, right? Obviously he doesn't. When you threaten a superintendent's pay cut, I mean, pay or money for education for your state, because they are putting down a mandate for masks, I think that's kind of jacked up. Um, I think that people should be, you know, for kids and for, you know, for crowded places like universities and things like that, you have to have something in place to make people feel safe. And I think that's why you're seeing some of these mandates. All right. Thank you for that, Frank. Hunter, I want you to jump in here next. Mask mandates vaccine mandates they feel like very different things but you know i think what i think they feel intertwined in the same way are vaccine mandates necessary do you believe that they are a good thing for society or do you think that they are another government overreach um i mean we're gonna be shocked right i don't i don't think we should have any kind of mandate um i think a business can if the business really wants to say okay we want you to wear masks or we want you to show proof you're fine I'm not going to go to your establishment. Uh, even if I get a vaccine, I don't want you asking me for something at the door to prove I've done it. So I'm not going to be okay with that. And they can't arrest everyone. You know, if a bunch of people refuse to do it, regardless of what happens, like it's probably what's going to happen. You can't expect that you tell someone a vaccine works and you have to get it, but also you have to wear a mask. And even if you, you know, even if you have the option now to get it, so you don't have to worry about other people because you're vaccinated so they can make their own choice. You still have to do it or you can't come into here. That it, it, there's so much that doesn't make sense. As far as like Governor DeSantis goes, he's not saying he doesn't believe in COVID or maybe that I think he doesn't believe masks work probably for a good reason because, well, that even if they did work, that it doesn't matter. You should have the choice now. But he's also doing it because parents should have the right to choose what their kids do instead of the government saying your kids have to do this who are they protecting kids don't die from it the teachers can get vaccinated who is protected by it it's no one it's all about the theater of it it's that's why he keeps coming out and saying these things and people if you actually follow the numbers and the facts there's nothing to support 
having all these kids wear masks at school and it causes other issues for their lives. I have kids. If you have your kids wearing masks around all their friends, they can't get as close. They don't feel comfortable. They don't even know if the other kids feel the same way they do or if they should even say hi to them anymore. It is weird and it's awkward and it's gonna mess with their lives. You may not even, it, there is a risk and reward to everything. You can choose whether something is worth the risk. When I go skydiving out of an airplane, okay, I'm making a choice. Yeah, that's risky. I might die. There's a good chance. Well, I mean, not a good chance. You're probably not going to die, just like you won't die on a roller coaster. But you're taking that chance because you think the war reward of something is worth it for you because you make that choice about your life. And some people just love the thrill, you know, jumping off of bridges and stuff like that into water, hopefully. Maybe some people don't. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, you get to make those choices. It's strange that this is the one thing. I think it's actually been politicized the wrong way. I think it's been politicized to where people think that you need to wear these masks. And people seem to have this idea that it's been politicized so people are thinking you don't. I think it's been politicized so people think you do the opposite way. All right, Fresh Faces, new ideas. If I want I, you to. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, one second. We'll, we'll, we'll open I'll, up I'll, here in a second. We'll open I'm sorry, Desmond. I, yeah. I just wanted to if, just see if I could just respond to Hunter. Oh, yep. One second. We'll get fresh faces getting um, in first and you come in half, right after. No, let him let him go. I got I got I got enough to, to respond to if you want oh, to okay. do it all first. Right, all right. That's not my flow here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm controversial. I, I would <laughs> it's all it's all right, Hunter. You know, you know, I would agree with you. I would agree with you about you know, having the, the choice, right? Because, you know, I'm an independent. So there are some things that I agree with on the Republican side, some things I agree with on the Democratic side, right? But at the end of the day, what I care about are the American people. And I would never want to intrude on anyone's um, views, right? That's why, that's why we're having this discussion. That's what makes it great. The only problem I have, and this is, this is the only place that I saw it on, is because it's on the news on the, uh, in Florida. If people were saying, hey, it should be my choice, for my child to, you know, wear this or not, you know, we understand that COVID is out there. I would understand. But when I see people on TV, I saw a lady the other day say she wanted everyone to see her child's beauty. She wouldn't, she didn't care. She didn't say anything about COVID. She didn't say anything about thousands of people dying or, you know, in that state. And we know that this is happening, right? She was like, well, I want everyone to see my child's beauty. I want my, I want everyone to see my child's smile. And I'm like, this is the type of stuff and this is this is where everything gets lost, the whole you know point of it. So, you know, you know, I, I just wanted to make clear that I don't I think everyone should have their choice. But I do understand why people are trying to put these things out there, because what happens is what are you going to say? Are you just going to cater to that one group of people that says, hey, it should be my choice? Well, what about the people that are like, well, I don't care if it's his choice or not. My grandmother died from this and I've seen what it can do. I want I want some form of protection. So, you know, what are you going to do? Right. And, and again, that goes back to why we're having this discussion, because at the end of the day, we're doing what we know to do. And knock on wood, I had, you know, I haven't had anyone close to me pass away from COVID, but I have had some friends that have. And I'm just like, I feel so sorry for them. And it's like they're like one minute I got to wear a mask. The next minute I don't. Then they say get vaccinated. Then they say don't get vaccinated. You know, it, it's, it's just it's just mad. At the end of the day, government. And the CDC, well, the CDC is government, but these guys need to come up with a clear path for everyone so that we can better understand what this is. And if they don't understand everything about it, just come on and tell us, hey, we don't understand everything about it. Here's the best thing that you can do. Don't push something out there to us 
that says, hey, everything's going to be okay now. And then we find out you know, now you're retracting and saying it's not. So I just wanted to say that, man. I, re- I respect your opinion. But when I see people on TV, like, not concerned about their kids getting sick, but more concerned about the beauty of her smile, I, I'm yeah. like, eh, she may not have been the person you wanted to put on the news. Yeah. The mental yeah. health of the kids is my concern. Yeah. Not the. Not yeah, the that's concern. true. That is very yeah. true. The mental that health. Is very, yeah, no, that is, <laughs> that is very true. My, ki- my kids have been, um, uh, were, you know, homeschooled all that, you know, at, you know, online learning all last year. So I definitely understand that they need, they need to interact. They need to be socialized, you know, they need to be social. Um, but no, that's all I have wanted to say, man. All right. Fresh faces, new ideas. Jump in here. Give us your thoughts on vaccine mandates, and then we'll open up for some, uh, some open panel discussion afterwards. Okay, so I think the vaccine mandates have to fall into two separate categories. The government can can uh, can require them as long as they are for like federal employees and it requires to a federal building where the government has oversight for it. That's fine. And as for private businesses, private businesses want to do it. They can do it. That's fine. Um, this is not a directly tied to this, but uh, Sock, when you were talking about um, having to carry around an ID, isn't this the exact argument people make for having voter ID is that you carry around a little uh, ID anyway, so it's not a big deal. Um, so if, if you say that's not a big, look, and let me, let me be clear before, because that, that will ultimately be a tangent that you and I can have an argument about another time. Um, but you're saying being forced to carry it around is a burden to you. So therefore we should not have voter ID by that same logic. Um, as for requirements, the military has been required to be vaccinated since the founding of this country. Washington did it. It has been required. If you join the military, you're required to get a fuck ton. Of, like there's a literal multi-page list of the things that you're required to get vaccinated for. It is This is not new. Schools and camps and uh, colleges, since 1905, there has been a Supreme Court ruling saying that they are allowed to require you to be vaccinated. These are things that have happened and they continue to happen. These are not new. Um, as for the private companies, if they want to do it, that's fine because they want to be the ones that say people will feel more comfortable to go into somewhere where they know that there is a mass mandate, there is a vaccine mandate required to be there, because that was where the majority of people will feel safer. And those corporations are more likely to get businesses. If you don't want to go there, that's your right. You're allowed to do that unless uh, you know, unless it's a BDS uh, Israel thing, then, then we're talking about different arguments. Um, the uh, As for the government getting things wrong and changing things up, one of the problems with this is as uh, especially this this disease has gone down. We've gained different types of information. Um, one of the things that is both uh, that is pushed back is one of these Fauci lies, and one of the 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 um, the talking point is based on the Jan- the February sixth email he sent. So back in February, we've known about the uh, COVID vac- COVID virus, give or take four months, um, depending on you know whether or not it w- we have the direct data that it was here in like October. Um, but at that point, he was saying in a private email, yeah, it looks like some of these masks aren't going to be effective. Um, and at the time, he was telling people, you should probably not be wearing sub, you should not be wearing M95 masks, you should be wearing cloth masks. The reasoning behind that being they were afraid that we we're going to run out of supplies, which obviously is a mistake to have said you should be wearing this type of mask because we're worried about supplies. I think had he told people that, we would have had a little bit of pandemic or a little bit of a panic like we did with the toilet paper, like we then did with the gas when... Uh, the gas happened. So there's a lot to this. So uh, look, the, the government, obviously, when it comes to something like this, they're still learning. But the, the, the idea of understanding where things are because new data comes out of it is shouldn't be considered a backtrack. It should become 
that's how it's supposed to be. If you gain new information, you should be able to update your opinions. Uh, this idea that masks don't work is just fundamentally inaccurate. Um, I do understand. Look, I do understand the argument about kids, uh, their mental health. I think the uh, the fact that as schools are opening right now, we are seeing record high number of children in um, hospitals. We are seeing um, rising cases, especially in schools in Atlanta. They're dealing with massive issues where they, they have to get shut down. Um, damn it. I don't remember. I think it was Florida where those, uh, those four teachers just died. Um, this, there is more to this. I think it is more damaging for these children to constantly have to worry about whether or not they're going to be get sick about something that we can more or less entirely mitigate and whether their, their friends and their family are going to be sick. Um, unfortunately children today have a, a massive amount of issues to deal with, uh, because our, our world is basically going to hell in a handbasket. Um, and it's difficult to deal with. Um, I know, especially when the climate change report came out, I was uh, uh, having like mental breakdown for like three days. Uh, so these, there's a lot for children to deal with and it, it's hard. And I, and, I, and I do sympathize with it, but I think it, it, we're just prolonging this by fighting this. So ultimately back to the original point, I think if we break down the mandates to suit different things, the federal government for entities or the, the local governments, whatever they have the ability to cover, whether it's uh, their, their federal buildings, uh, federal employees, the military, things like that. They have the absolute right to require those vaccinations. It has been uh, upheld through law. It has been held since the founding of our country. And as for schools and um, and uh, camps and stuff, that has been that has been held up since basically the turn of the last century. Um, if you, I mean, there, there's you know there's obvious exemptions for it. I imagine. But these these aren't like massive overreach. These are generally longstanding pillars that just have been politicized because this is the climate that we're in. All right. I think before I open it up for the open panel, I kind of want to just give my thoughts on all this. You know, as far as mandates are concerned, I'm completely okay with the government mandating that service members be vaccinated. I don't think that there is anything wrong with that. I mean, more or less, as you were pointing out, this is nothing new as far as what the military is required to do when it comes to being in service. They are asked to be vaccinated against other diseases, so this doesn't really fall out of line for me. I also don't have an issue with schools mandating vaccinations. They mandate other vaccinations as well. So in my mind, areas like universities, public schools, I don't see an issue with vaccinations being required. However, Cities mandating vaccinations for bars, restaurants, gyms, you know, I would feel more comfortable with that if it was the individual businesses asking customers to do that. But when it comes to the actual, like we're talking about city, like local governments, it feels a little out of place, not because I don't understand it, because I too want people to get vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. I believe in it. I think people should go out and get vaccinated, but the city doesn't require you to have a vaccination for polio to go into a restaurant. I mean, you have to do so to go into school, but not into a restaurant or into a gym or into a bar. And so it seems a little strange to have that be mandated for one type of a infectious disease, but not for other types of infectious diseases. It just seems a little out of place. I know that we're, they're trying to do the right thing by incentivizing us a little more strongly for people to get vaccinated, but it does seem a little out of character for the cities themselves to be putting those mandates specifically in place. Again, wouldn't be as bothered if individual businesses said like, yeah, we're just gonna put this in place because we feel better as said business owner. With that being said, 
kind of want to open it up here to the open panel here. If you guys want to speak about what everyone said in their opening statements, Sock, you haven't spoken in a while. I'm sure that you've had some things you've been trying to say here. Why don't you tell us what's on your mind? <laughs> no. Um, so, you know, fresh face in the audience, we can have a talk about, you know, the comparison <laughs> between the passport and, uh, and voter ID another time. But um, no, like the, the, the fact that, you know, you kind of brought it up, right? That it, it's the government overreach aspect of it, right? If a private business, it, you know, wants all its employees to get vaccinated, sure. You know, it forces all its employees to get vaccinated. Yeah, all right. I might not agree with what they're doing, but I can't argue that the, the, um, the private business doesn't have a right to run their company the way they want to, you know? Um, but the fact that the government is coming in and um, telling us, right, you know, telling these companies how to, you know, enforce this, you know, vaccine, right? Uh, this vaccine mandate is just insane, right? Because, you know, if if someone is, I just lost my train of thought, but if someone gets vaccinated, right, and still transmits the virus, right, is it now on the government, right, if that person dies, right? If we're mandating these vaccines, right, like it, it, it's very reasonable that people are going to die. You know, people are going to die either way, unfortunately. It's, it's a sad reality. Um, and when the government comes in and, you know, is like, hey, you have to get this health procedure to participate in society. Oh, uh, cool. Th thanks. You know, uh, you know we're, now we're getting into bodily autonomy, right? Because now we're getting into, you know, you're telling me what I have to do with my body, right? Um, now, as far as like a mask mandate, you know, Hunter, I'm actually going to push back on you a little bit, you know, like a mask mandate. All right, whatever. Like they're not forcing you to get a medical procedure. You know, you're, you're forced to wear a shirt if you want to go in stores, you know, you're, you're forced to wear pants and underwear, you know, now you just have to wear a mask, you know? So, so like the mask mandate thing, like that's cool, you know, whatever, but it's not a medical procedure. Now we're, now we're talking about getting, you know, you know, no, I, I think it's Australia. You know, one of their slogans is like, no jab, no job. Right. It's like, what <laughs> you want me to like, you're forcing me to get a jab so I can work. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, and it's from the government. That's the issue. Can That's we ban the, the use of me. the word jab, by the way? <laughs> it, it, it sounds horrible, doesn't it? <laughs> Florida, I think the Australia is like 6% vaccinated. They're not the, but their death rate is like zero. They have they've done a really good job of mitigating deaths in uh, in Australia. Uh, somebody was bringing that up to me. Yeah, yeah, they brought in the military to enforce their their lockdown measures. Of course, they're doing good. You know, on on top of that fact, we're also seeing some some mandates coming through. You know, in other parts of the world, I know that was it France, for instance, made it mandatory for. Was it starting November or starting like September 30th that all healthcare workers have to be vaccinated? That if you want to use public transit or restaurants in France, you have to be vaccinated. In Canada, they've mandated it so that all government workers have to be vaccinated. That if you want to do any air travel within Canada, you have to be vaccinated. Do you? Do we think that like mandates like that are going to come here to America? Is that inevitable? Or do you think that our country is more or less going to 
push back against that level of mandates. What do you, what do you think, Frank? I think we're going to push back on that type of mandate because in my opinion, if they could do that, they would have already done so, especially with everything that's going on right now. But I think they know that, Hey, we've had enough for one summer <laughs> last year of stuff going on. And I think that that would, that's where we would be. I mean, people probably would take to the streets around that whole thing. And then you get to see, I told you so, you know, so uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think they're going to do that. Um, eventually Hunter had a good point earlier. <laughs> eventually, you know, you get, it's, it's the news, right? It's ratings. It's what you hear every single day, but eventually just like everything else, I truly do believe that it's going to fade out and then we're not going to hear anything about it. And everybody's like, Oh, wait a minute. What happened with COVID? Y you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I guess it's just that we, we just, unfortunately, and I think that's the frustrating part. We got to take that wait and see approach to see exactly what happens. And in the meantime, do what you know to do, wash your hands, um, social distance as much as possible, and uh, just try to be as safe as you can, um, you know, to the best of your ability. Frank, I sure hope you're right. I hope it all just kind of fizzles out at some point. And we just kind of, we just kind of move on. You know, it, 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 the flu vaccine is a thing, but we don't require our kids to get the flu vaccine. It's an interesting comparison. I know people say it's not the same as the flu. The death rates after vaccine are probably pretty similar, yep. though. And and we don't require that. I, I'm fine with getting the vaccine. It's probably a good idea. Honestly, I haven't done it because I'm lazy and I don't think I'll die from it because I'm 32 and really healthy. I might be wrong. Uh, you know, I might be wrong. Who knows? Maybe I've already had it though. See, that's the other thing is we don't really think about that. There's so many people that get it and never even know because I get sick. I've been sick in the past year, but I don't know what it was. It could have been anything. So anyway, I, I just, I don't know where we're going to draw that line, but I, I'll tell you this. I've never protested in my life. I've never stood up for anything because everything seemed reasonable within reason for my life I didn't really feel a need to really go out there and make a huge point but if they tried to tell me that for me to do anything I had to have a freaking card with me it's not the same as a voter ID at all that's like your license or something it's easy you have to carry that for driving a car so if you're having a separate I, I, I don't piece of paper, there was a different yeah there, if it was I have a, different... to have a piece of paper that says I've gotten this thing and it has to have like all no yeah, I will actually go out and do something about that. And what if it's an I'm app? I'm not the only one. Huh? What if it's that's an app? Is an app that's even worse. <laughs> For some people, they don't like phones. They don't know. They're going to be trying to go in and be like, I know I've got it here somewhere. How do I get to the app? You know? Oh, shoot. I have to sign in. What's my password, honey? Honey, I don't know your password. Isn't it your mom's birthday? No, we changed it a week ago. Now we can't go to the store. We have to go home and figure out our password before we can come back and get our groceries. No, I'm not going for that. No, thank you. Well, that's that's the Excelsior app in New York. That's what they're uh, they're attempting to do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> what if we added it to your light driver's license? Is that acceptable? See, that's an interesting. I was thinking about that because I figured someone might bring that up. Uh, if you if you were to put it onto a driver's license, I, I think that's an acceptable thing to do because it's a government. So like that's fine, and a lot of people because they think for their protection. But then businesses should still have the choice of do I card people when they come in here for this? And is it something that I as a business think is the right thing to do and then let them have that choice? So and also, I, I do think it's okay to put on a, on a driver's license though, sure. And also, so there's two other things that one, my biggest issue with the vaccine stuff has been the fact that these cards are just too fucking big. They just like, they're just not like a shape where I could just slide it into my wallet anyway. So I like, it has 
like nine different things for you to sign up. I'm getting two shots. I don't need nine lines. Like, how did you just mess up that rollout? Um, well, as well, do you for, want to get conspiratorial? We can go down that path. Nope, I don't <laughs> think we're going conspiratorial today. We could have a totally no fun different conversation no. about this. No. I'm just about. I'm already getting canceled after this episode comes out. That's, uh, that's to minimize the danger here. The other thing is, like, I also do think the 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 driver's ID is is a better because we're going to deal with fake vaccination cards, whether they're already drawn or I think, and I'll. I don't have all the information because I just saw this as a Chiron. Um, I think the FBI found a shipment, and I swear to God it said China, but I don't know if I was reading the same Chiron, of fake vaccines. So, uh, fake is a vaccine. Code. That's correct. I, I, that is correct. Okay. Yeah. Think about how that wild is correct. that is. <laughs> that is what they're like. We're dealing with fake vaccine passports from another country. Like, oh, man. <laughs> how do you... <laughs> I mean, at that, that, yeah, at that point, you basically have to get it on a uh, driver's license. Although well, now we're going to well, have eighteen-year-olds who, who are uh, unvaccinated, and be like, "Well, I guess you're not really thirty-six because you don't have an ID on it." So it makes it harder for you for underage drinking. I don't know how you stand on that, but <laughs> right. So, all right, I'm going to wrap up this conversation a little bit, everyone. So we are going to transition here in a little bit. If you are interested in hearing this panel talk about the eviction crisis and critical race theory, make sure that you tune in for the bonus episode. They'll be coming out later this week. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the rest of this conversation that we're about to have. But for those of you who are just listening to this episode, we're going to do a quick little sign off. So, but before I, you know, go ahead and do that, I kind of want to just end with one last take here about uh, the vaccines, COVID, so on and so forth. I do think everyone should get vaccinated. This is just my opinion. I kind of want to just put it out there. You know, host of the podcast could have the last word on this on this topic. I think that everyone should go out and get the vaccine. There are lots of people out there who cannot get the vaccine. I'm, you know, compromised people. There are, you know, children who cannot go out and get the vaccine. There are plenty of people who are susceptible to, if they were to receive COVID, would be very much either sick or possibly die from this disease. And the more people who are vaccinated, the less of a chance that that does happen within our society. I think that while we are debating whether or not right now that mandates are necessary in society, I think all of those efforts are more or less geared towards a common perceived good of trying to help those who are more or less susceptible to COVID-19 and what it might do to people if they might be infected by this virus. And while some people, you know, are going to get this virus and have nothing happen to them, this isn't really about them. This is about protecting other people. I think it's the same idea with masks. Masks are more or less about, you know, you lowering your own transmission, not about like protecting you from the virus, but more or less you protecting somebody else from the virus that you might be carrying. So you're not transmitting as much of quote unquote, your viral load. And so, you know, with all that being said, I want to thank everyone for their thoughts on these three topics. I want to thank Fresh Faces, New Ideas, Hardwood and Sock, Hunter, Frank. Uh, just some closing statements really quickly here. Uh, just tell everyone where they can find you guys at. We're going to start with you, Fresh Faces, New Ideas. Tell everyone where they can find you if they want to hear more from you. Okay. Give me one second. I was just playing around with something else. Uh, yeah, so I am uh, Fresh Faces New Ideas. I'm Fresh Faces New Ideas on Twitch. I am Fresh Faces New Ideas on YouTube. I am Faces Ideas because the whole thing doesn't come across on uh, on Twitter. 
I am, uh, I think I'm Fresh Faces New Ideas on Instagram. I only use it pretty much solely for when I come on here and uh, my, the other podcast. I don't, I don't think Instagram is a, is a, is, is good at all. It's a hey, be bad Instagram design. on here. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, but okay. yeah, if you go, uh, if you, if you didn't catch any of those, if you go follow me on Twitter at Faces Ideas, I have the link to all of that. And uh, I usually stream 1 p.m. EST during the week. And then I kind of do panels on the weekend, but I'll talk to anybody about pretty much anything. All right. And Frank Styles, where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me on all GSPs, uh, the 336 Pull Up Podcast, uh, you know, all social media platforms, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, as well as YouTube. All right. Everyone go check out the 336 Pull Up Podcast. Highly recommend it. I recommend Fresh Faces New Ideas as well. My bad. My bad. Hardwood and Sock, where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitch. Um, I do a couple streams a week, normally panels or, you know, one-on-one discussions. Um, you know, thanks for having me as always. Um, you can only find me on Twitch because Twitter is, um, the worst platform ever invented. Um, so thank you for having me as always. And I look forward to talking to you again. All right. And Hunter, do we have anything to plug this time around? We do. You can uh, you can find me in Great Falls in my house, uh, around in the community. Now you can find me on YouTube too. Uh, Hunter Coleman, type in my name, it should come up. Uh, and also, I am starting some comedy shows here in town. I know some of the viewers probably live in Missoula at least. Uh, so if anyone is in Great Falls, check around, and I probably will have some shows. We're doing some songs, doing some jokes. Should be a good time. All right. Uh, for those who are interested, I will have links to everyone's you know, platforms down in the episode description. So just go ahead and go to the episode description. You should see links for everyone's podcasts, Twitch platforms, YouTube channels down there. Thank you to everyone for checking out this portion of the panel. Uh, make sure you stick around for some words from our sponsors. And we'll be right back after that with my next guest for this week. Stay tuned. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. thought listeners has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side well then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode bathing beauties beads is a full service bead shop in the heart of downtown missoula whether it's seed beads semi-precious stones vintage beads or just materials to make a project they have something for every person and every price range not from missoula don't worry they have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you 
Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with me for another episode of Independent Thought. For my guest today, I am joined by Leora Spunko. Thank you for coming on Independent Thoughts today. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. You know, you and I kind of connected over Instagram a few months back, and I was really intrigued by, you know, like some of the things that you were telling me that you do. I, I'd never actually encountered an empowerment coach before, but it did sound incredibly interesting. Can you just tell me a little bit about what exactly is an empowerment coach and why did you, you know, decide that that's what did you wanted to do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you may have heard of different types of life coaches. So essentially I'm a certified life coach, but I focus my title on empowerment coach because I help bring aware, help folks bring awareness to when they're not empowered, when they're um, in fear or feeling sad or when they're frustrated or not reaching their goals, how to shift and transform that into power and possibility. So I'm really focused with my clients on their own empowerment process and what's going to help them manifest their dreams, fulfill on their goals, and really feel good throughout the process. So um, the empowerment coach piece really seems to resonate with the work that I do. And I also do mindset work and spiritual coaching as well. So I provide uh, lots of different types of coaching to the um, to my clients. Absolutely. You know, like, that's something that I kind of like touched on a little bit, you know, last season when I had, um, you know, another guest come on who's, you know, goes by the name of the flex coach. I'm always very intrigued by people who are trying to like push a more like positive mindset. And so what I'm curious about is, was there like a moment in particular in your life that kind of like led to you wanting to choose this path for yourself? Yeah, it, it has. And I just listened to, to that podcast yesterday as I was preparing to come on. I'm like, oh, this is going to be an episode that really relates to my work. And I, I love that episode. So I've been, I think my whole life, I've been very self-reflective. Like I'm always looking within and that's something that's been constant throughout my own life. And um, I, I, someone invited me to enroll in a personal development program about 10 years ago. And I really jumped at the opportunity because again, I just, I'm always looking to improve myself. And I thought this was just something that I was going to do for my own life. Like, how can I bring more, you know, awareness to what my blocks are and to resistance, whether it's related to relationship or work, you know, I was always like looking for that kind of guidance and coaching and support. So I, I got coaching in, in, in a program. And then I, you know, was listening to a podcast that, um, you know, he was talking about, you know, doing what you're passionate about. And he said, he said, I'm passionate about personal development. And so that's why I'm a personal development coach. This is what I'm passionate about. And I realized that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I, you know, I read books constantly on personal development. These are the podcasts that I listen to. This is just the work when people, you know, even friends um, and, and colleagues that I know come to me um, and, and feel like they can talk to me about what they're dealing with. And I realized that this is just what I love to do 
why not do this professionally? So just kind of that opened up my path to really taking this on professionally. So I coach clients one-on-one in one-on-one programs. I do group programs. I also love doing workshops for, um, for clients, whether they're um, entrepreneurs, artists, anyone that wants to move forward in their goals, but also do it in a way filled with joy, you know, and really live wholeheartedly. So those are the types of type of work I provide. And then I also do keynote speaking and I've, I've done that recently. So, well, actually before the pandemic, I did that. And so I, I love coaching and speaking and really helping people see something new for themselves. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly powerful. You know, one of the things that kind of led me to doing this podcast was something similar in in an effect. It's just like wanting to channel my energy into something that already I like resonated with, something that was powerful for me, something that just felt that I, I didn't have to motivate myself to do it. It just felt so natural. So that's really great that that's, you know, kind of like how this became something for you. You know, so when people do decide to come to you, uh, you know, like, and hire you as their coach, you know, what are some of the issues that people come to you with? Is it more like, you know, career is it about relationships is it about something else. So like, what is the most common thing that people come to you for? All of the above. You know, when I first started, a lot of coaching programs encourage you to find your niche. And I started working with artists and creatives and I still do. And I love working with artists and creatives around helping them build their business or helping them connect to the creative practice more regularly. And so those were my initial clients. And, um, you know, and I had clients, um, I, you know, for example, right now I have a client that when we started off and she said, I love making art, but I'm not a salesperson. I hate doing the business side. I hate selling. And through our coaching process, we really realized a lot of the blocks and fears that were stopping her. It's not that she couldn't sell. It was that she was afraid of putting herself out there. So a lot of my clients deal with that fear of vulnerability, you know, fear of, of really like, you know, putting yourself out there, trying not to be too salesy, all the different concerns that showed up. And honestly, last week I had a call with her and she said, I am a salesperson. I did this show. I sold more than I ever have. I'm selling online. And it's just amazing to see that transformation when we think, I can't do something. And then you do the internal work and you realize you can. So, so that I realized that my work doesn't just translate to artists and creatives. Some people were coming to me or other entrepreneurs were coming to me around other goals that they had around building their business or trying to get clear on what they're passionate about mm-hmm. where should they focus. Um, I have clients that, that focus on relationship and trying to manifest love. And so all of this work, it's really translatable into anything, you know, if anyone that's willing to do the internal work to look within around what do we truly want in our lives? What are we passionate about? How do we want to express ourselves in our lives? Really getting clear on the vision of what we want, then looking at what's in the way, what are the blocks? What's the resistance? And then number three, it's like, are we, am I willing to transform it? Am I willing to face the fears and blocks so I can not only produce the results that I want, but actually attract and manifest what I want. And so I really believe that like what you said, when we show up with purpose and passion, what we do isn't hard. It becomes really fun and then we can manifest what we want. So, so I've really expanded my clientele to work with all sorts of folks that are interested in doing this type of work. 
And that's honestly amazing. I, I think the part where she says, you know, like, oh, oh, I'm a salesperson now. You know, I, I remember personally watching a, a TED talk. Uh, this was years ago. And it was about, and uh, it was a woman who was speaking about getting into a car accident where uh, afterwards she had actually, I, I think had regressed uh, from like a cognitive standpoint because of the traumatic brain injury. And then she just felt very discouraged about trying to like continue with her passion in life. Mm -hmm. And then I guess eventually she was just like found the, the idea that she had to just keep faking it more and more until she eventually just realized that she was no longer faking it. She had become the thing that she was faking. And so I, I think that's an incredibly powerful like testament. But what, the thing I want to ask you next is, you know, besides, you know, self-doubt, you know, because obviously that is something that we all deal with. What is the most reoccurring issue that you find with people who come to you seeking help? Related to self-doubt, I mean, the fear of failure and, you know, fear of judgment, you know, fear of putting yourself out there. A lot of us, you know, want to hide and we are afraid to share our gifts because of self-doubt, honestly. And, and when you keep digging, mm -hmm. like underneath the fears, you see the self-doubt, you see the, a lot of, you know, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel worthy of what I want, you know, fear of like what I want isn't possible. It's not for me. Um, I'm not worthy of love. So it really can, can go pretty deep. And I, I like to go, go deep with my clients if they choose to do that. Right. Um, because when they have awareness and really what's going on, then they can be free from it. Because so often the case we want to say, I can't have what I want because I don't have time. I can't have what I want because I don't have enough money. You know, we have all these, what you know, I call just to simplify it excuses. Right. And we procrastinate and we avoid and we pretend we don't really want it. And, you know, we hide. And so there's all sorts of reasons why we, we don't take action on what we want and we don't believe what we want is possible. So, so the work I do with clients is to look at the fears and then the underneath those, those not enough stories of what's really getting in the way. So they're, they're freed up from it because when you, you know, what we resist persists. So if we're not facing it, we're going to keep operating in that way. But when we can shine a light on it, you know, it, it can dissipate and, and shame falls away and any wrongness falls away. And then we can, you know, really step in to our own power and purpose and really show up um, the way we want to show up, self-expressed and really full of possibility and inspired to take action. So, um, so it's an interesting journey from that, you know, that place of self-doubt to power and possibility is really possible. And honestly, there's, I mean, there's days that I have to really practice this work for myself. Like, right. you know, like there's days we just wake up like feeling in a funk or I don't feel like it, or I don't know if I, like, I was nervous about doing this podcast, you know? And <laughs> like, I mean, aren't we always like, it's like that self doubt yeah. shows up often for a lot of us and it's just like to normalize it. And, you know, and so that just building our toolbox that, you know, we don't have to be stuck that way and that right. we have the ability to transform ourselves. Right. And, and, you know, the insecurities are strong within us all. Mm -hmm. And I have to imagine that 
helping people navigate through them can be incredibly time consuming. Is there really like a, a one size fits all approach to helping people deal with their insecurities or is it really like a case by case basis? Hmm. That's a good question. Cause it's something I've thought a lot about as I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, I've done group programs yeah. and workshops, right? So you have all sorts of people, especially like the groups and workshops where you have all sorts of people in the room with you and you see things click for people in different times and in different ways. So I have always thought, okay, what's the best formula to present information? And so I have all sorts of kind of workbooks and tools that I provide clients. Like here's, here's an outline. Like I have a, um, a template um, called Empower Hour. It's like, here are, here are the steps you can take when you're in a funk to like find freedom, right? So I have all sorts of tools and templates and everybody's on their own path. And that's what I love about this work is that it really is an individual journey. And my belief is that we have the answers within us and it's about peeling the layers, right? And we all have different sorts of layers to peel and we're all in different places on our journey and there is no final destination. So it really is an individual path. So, so really, you know, working with people where they're at, and the coaching process, it's I'm not telling folks what to do or how to do it. I'm asking questions. I'm reflecting back things that I hear. I use my intuition a lot to, to see like what's needed. How can I support this person? And, you know, and, and see what unfolds. So it really is a unique individual path. And at the same time, we can learn from each other and that we all have something to share. And so um, I think it's a, it's a combination. Yeah. And the one thing that I, I kind of wanted to ask you about, you know, because obviously there's so many different ways to approach helping people, you know, navigate through all of these different like negatives in their lives or their perceived negatives, right? I know that one of the important things that can be done is just like goal setting. You know, just like focusing on what it is that we're trying to achieve in our lives. And so do you believe that there's like a correlation between, I guess, uh, telling yourself what it is that you're trying to achieve and what others would call the law of attraction? Like, do they intermix at all? Like, and, and do you implement that when you're speaking with people? Yeah, I, um, I do a mix because... Well, there are certain clients that really like to have clear goals and they like to write it all out. And, um, and actually each week we set goals for the week. Um, so, so goal setting can be very important for clients and I do like to bring it into my work. And there's also something to be said about surrender, letting go of control, letting go of when it's going to happen, letting sometimes even letting go of how it's going to happen. So I'll, a lot of times for clients, we will really set a strong vision. What, you know, in say three to five years, you know, what do you want? What does it look like? But more importantly, what does it feel like to have that? You know, and, and they really connect to an inspired place, really, you know, empowered and excited and joyful of like, oh my gosh, if I published that book I wanted to publish or had the romantic relationship of my dreams, like really feeling what that feels like. And I tell my clients, okay, 
you don't have to wait three to five years to feel that way. Like, what if you can feel that way now? Like, take on your future vision, like now, that, that you don't have to wait. And what if you were to show up with that joy and inspiration and love and excitement, and you show up like that every day, imagine what you can manifest and attract. And I completely believe, and I've seen it in my own life, in my own life of when I'm empowered and connected and aligned and really like clear with like who I am and I get all the other stuff out of the way. It's really, we talk about like getting ourselves out of the way so we can show up authentically. That's when things start attracting. Suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, you've like attracted your partner or the job of your dreams. And, and it really, it really does happen. So, you know, I'm a firm believer in, yes, put it out there of what you want, but take action from an inspired aligned place. You know, if you're going to have goals, you know, I'm not a big fan of the hustle and I get hustle can sometimes be important for folks that want to get stuff done. But for me, it's about the energy you bring into it and, and you can work hard and still be joyful and inspired. And from that place, when you take aligned and inspired action is when you're going to actually produce the results that you want. You know, that's a, that's an interesting take. Could you contrast that for me really quickly? What is the difference between the aligned and inspired point of view versus what you're characterizing as the hustle? I'm, I'm actually, I'm really uh, curious about how you differ those. So let's say the hustle is I have to get you know, I have to meet this goal by the end of the month. And so I have that in my calendar. And that means I have to take this action and this action and this action every single day. And I'm really stressed out about it because I'm afraid I'm not going to reach those goals. And if I don't reach those goals, then I'm afraid of what my partner is going to say or what my, my boss is going to say. And I'm going to be really afraid of, of judgment of what people are going to think about me. And I'm going to be really upset and I'm going to feel sorry for myself. I'm going to start questioning. And then I start questioning, do I even want this anymore? Because I don't think I can really accomplish it. Right. You see like all of these disempowered thoughts and stories that show up when we try to control situations and we don't feel good about the work that we're doing. Mm. So that to me is that like, hustle and like, you know, I have to make a certain financial goal in order to prove my worth. Right. So that kind of place, it's all to me built on fear and all of these stories about like, I don't feel worthy. Does that resonate? Absolutely. Versus yes. like, I'm inspired about my goal. I wake up, I'm inspired to take action. I'm excited about what I'm working on. I'm making a difference for people. I'm lit up every day. I can like, I'm like, people can see the energy in, you know, in my face and in my body language. And I'm just so excited about what I'm up to and to be of service. And this really feels aligned with who I am. And it feels aligned with what I'm meant to do, you know, and, like that type of energy. So to me, like, do you see, do you hear that distinction? It's, it's, it's very distinct. Yeah. You're operating from a place of inspiration versus a place of fear. Yeah. And yeah, that, that definitely resonates with me. I have definitely been on both sides of that coin. I've been on one side more than the other. So I definitely <laughs> yeah. understand what that's like. You know, I, I think one of, one of the last things I want to ask you, um, 
is inevitably, I think, what really keeps people from achieving what they want in their lives. It's not always the initial push, because I feel like a lot of people have that initial push. They're like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to try this. But inevitably, inevitably, we all face adversity. That is the number one consistency whenever you're chasing whatever it is that you want. You're going to face some kind of adversity. You're probably going to face it multiple times. Uh, So the question that a lot of people end up running into is, how do I recover from this adversity? And a lot of people, you know, for one reason or another, sometimes they give up. So like, how do you help people push through those adverse times? Like, like what is the, the message? Yeah. Well, number one, it's human. Like you said, it happens to all of us and it can happen multiple times a day. (laughs) So I think number one, like it's, it's, it's a part of the human experience. And so for me, it's normalizing it. Like there is nothing wrong with resistance. There is nothing wrong with um, any fear that's showing up. There's nothing wrong with those not enough stories that show up, like like the I'm not worthy story or the self-doubt to really let go that it's wrong. Because when we, when we think it's wrong is when we want to hide, when we don't want to talk about it, and then we, we let the adversity run the show. Right. But instead, you're like to give space to it. So whether you're talking to a coach like me, talking to a friend, someone you trust, talking, coaching yourself. I really believe in like self-coaching and just talking to yourself, whether it's in meditation on a walk or just when you're, you know, sitting and, and chilling out of like, oh my gosh, what am I, what am I really dealing with here? Instead of like blaming like your boss, blaming a family member, like letting go of blaming like over there to look within and say, oh my gosh, I'm in a funk. My self-doubt is showing up. I I'm afraid and, and letting giving that space to breathe, because like I said, it it can't survive when we shine a light on it. And honestly, sometimes just that will help dissipate. You know, honestly, sometimes just the awareness, letting go of wrongness and shame will really help it dissipate. And, and other steps is just like to do the transformational work. And, you know, Joe Dispenza talks a lot about how we can reprogram our brains. And it's actually scientifically proven of creating new neural pathways because when we're in a funk oftentimes that's based on our past thoughts and past emotions and so it's kind of like our default way of being so as we bring awareness and we can like shift into new possibilities and shift our thoughts and those neural networks and patterns of like okay what else is possible how else can i show up not only in our minds, but how else do I want to feel? And it takes something, but the more we practice it, the more fluent we can get at it. So, so anytime we're in a funk, sometimes it might take a few hours, but other times it might just take a few minutes to kind of shift and show up of like, like, oh my gosh, I really want to connect to my future vision. That's going to inspire me. I really want to connect to my passion purpose. That's going to inspire me. And then we can kind of shift how we show up and, and take new action and produce new results that way. Yeah, that that's absolutely true. There is, unfortunately, the, the purest remedy to dealing with adversity is just to do your best to stick with it. I mean, honestly, truthfully, in, in my opinion, there is always going to be challenges throughout life, but 
you know, anything that is worth it, you know, is always worth the work to stay involved and stay engaged. So the last thing that I want to ask you here is, you know, what, what is your message to people who might be interested in having an empowerment coach, but they are still kind of unsure about whether or not they want to take that leap of faith and, you know, get involved in something like this? Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of tuning into our internal compass, which is our intuition. I use it a lot in a lot of decisions that I make. And the more I pay attention to it, the louder and the stronger it is. So I can hear it better. Cause sometimes we can't hear it. <laughs> sometimes it's like our fear is saying like, or the scarcity mindset, you know, is saying like, I can't afford a coach. It won't really work. This is not possible for me. Right. And to realize like, oh, that's the fear. That's the internal dialogue. That's the chatter versus like, what do I really desire? Like, oh my gosh, I, I really want to reach that goal. I really want to manifest my romantic relationship. I really want to manifest that perfect job or, or write that book and, you know, whatever, whatever you want. And so connecting really to, to your heart and what you want, like to me, that's part of the intuitive process. So that's, that's number one is like, just getting clear for yourself. What do you truly want versus like, what is the fear saying? Kind of separating that out. And then also, you know, using your intuition to connect to the right coach, because there are so many coaches out there and I've hired a lot of coaches for different purposes. And, um, I found coaches honestly on podcasts, like list like this, just listening to interviews on podcasts. I found coaches and I, you know, I signed up for the ones that my intuition said, you know, this is the right match. What they're saying resonates with who I am, what my heart desires, what I want. I just trust my gut on this one because sometimes we over, we overthink it. Um, but again, when we listen within, we'll find, find the right match and find the right coach. And so I encourage folks to, to, you know, explore that. If you're looking, if you think a coach might support you, um, you know, listen to interviews with coaches or hop on their websites. If what I'm saying resonates with, with you, then, you know, hop on my website and book a a free call with me. And we can chat more about what you want and, and how you can, how you can get that. So, um, it's really, it's just an intuitive journey that I'm really excited to, to talk to folks about like what they want in their lives. Absolutely. Leora, thank you so much for coming on today. I really do appreciate it. Could you just tell everyone really quickly where they can find you on social media or online? Like how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, they can find me on Instagram at Leora Spanko. And also my website is leorasponko.com. All right. Well, simple enough. And for people who are interested, those links will be available in the episode description below. So just go ahead and click on the description and you'll be able to see those links available right there. All right. Thank you again for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. I hope to have you back on in the future. And everyone else, we're going to be taking one more quick break. And when we come back, you'll have my final thoughts of the day. Stay tuned. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. I want to first acknowledge, well, a couple different things, but let's just start off the table with the fact that this was, in fact, my longest ever 
episode that I have put out on my podcast. So if you are one of those people who stuck all the way through to this point in the episode, thank you so much for sticking with me through this incredibly long episode. I hope that maybe some people enjoyed a longer episode. Please share with me your feelings on this episode. I want to hear all of your thoughts. So please reach out to me on Instagram, on Twitter. Let me know if you thought this episode was too long or if you enjoyed the longer conversation. I am thinking about making the next panel-based episode shorter. Uh, so definitely going to be trying to trim up a little bit of the conversation here, as well as the fact that I will be probably for the first time putting some timestamps on this episode. So also be on the lookout for that as well. So first, I just want to, you know, take the take the easier road here with the with the outro here. First, I want to thank my great guest, Leora Spunko. Thank you for coming on and sharing your positivity with me and sharing your views on why it is that you are an empowerment coach and why that's so important for you and for, you know, clients that you've reached out to. And I truly want to say that for those of you who are looking for just something new in your life and be something that'll help you kind of get through uh, a difficult time that maybe that might be something that would be good for you and your life where you're at. If you're interested, please go ahead and check her out. Her website is linked below. So go ahead and go into the episode description and you should be able to link up with her that way. Now kind of transitioning to the first part of my episode here, you know, first and foremost, I kind of want to just say that you know, whenever I do an episode of any particular kind, I try to do my best to make sure that I approach the episode with all of my facts in order. You know, I try to do research for the entire week, look through several sources to kind of figure out what information I want to use and what information I don't want to use. With this being the second time that I've done a panel like this, I, I did not stop and think about, you know, what kind of information other people might be bringing to the podcast. And so I want to just just put it on the record here that I don't know how much information was shared in that first segment that is 100% true or not. I'm not saying that my guests were disseminating wrong information on purpose or if they were disseminating wrong information. I'm just saying that I have not myself gone and, and fact-checked every single thing that was said or every single example that was given as far as you know what the CDC has said or as far as certain studies around coronavirus or vaccines uh, and how well they work or viral loads or anything like that. And so before I kind of get into the rest of this closing here, I firstly want to say that the most important thing to do with any conversation around coronavirus is to make sure that you do as much research as humanly possible, especially from very trusted sources. I have put in the description of this episode a link to the CDC's uh, what you need to know fact sheet about vaccines. So if you are someone who is interested in learning a little bit more about that, please go check that out. They have a list of what they definitively say that they know, as well as stuff that they still say that they're learning more about even today. Like they're learning more about exactly how long people will have immunity for after they get these vaccines is something that they still don't seem to know currently. They said that there's also still learning about how many people have to be vaccinated against COVID-19 before the population can be considered protected. You no know, quote unquote population immunity. 
and how effective the vaccines are against new variants and of the virus that causes COVID-19. And so these are things that the CDC is still learning, you know, which is also one of the things I was trying to paint in the episodes where I was saying that while it has been frustrating for a lot of us in society that we've had, we haven't had the best dissemination of information, you know, from these institutions to us, you know, there has to be a human element here where we all kind of understand that these scientists really are doing the best they can to understand this virus as it changes, as it mutates, as we are studying it, as we're seeing how it affects people. And so there, there, there does have to be a little bit of grace on our end as we are asking these people in real time to have all the answers for us. It's just not always going to be the case. And so I, I do recognize that due in large part to this frustration and other factors as well that there is that has created some vaccine hesitancy, but we should, you know, do our best to try to just hear these people out as they are, you know, spending every day trying to figure out more and more about COVID-19 and how it affects all of us and how these vaccines are more or less working or not working or how effective they can be. And so, you know, let's just uh, do ourselves a favor here and try to, you know, go to them as often as humanly possible when it comes to hearing more information about uh, COVID-19. And so I just wanted to point that out there. I know that there were quite a few different points that were made in this episode, uh, some of which I did not agree with, but and I did not push back on every single uh, disagreement that I had. When I heard different people come on today and give their opinions about you know vaccines in particular, and the reason why I had some people come on the podcast today that I knew felt differently than I did about vaccines, about vaccine mandates, was because it was kind of going back to something I had talked about in my previous season, in season three. You know, after the end of our 2020 election, I wanted to understand why there were 75 million people in the country who voted for President Trump. I wanted to try to have more conservative leaning voices on and so that there could be an open dialogue between you know me someone who's more on the left and people who are more on the right and see exactly why people feel the way that they feel versus more or less being told why people feel a certain way through the media and so you know hardwood and sock and and hunter you know are more conservative leaning and so their views on, you know, the vaccine and, and vaccine mandates might be different than my own. But I, I knew that, you know, the, they had perspectives that are probably shared by millions of people in this country. And so I thought it'd be good in real time to so that we could all kind of have these conversations between someone like me and also Fresh Faces New Ideas, who's also more liberal himself. And then Frank, who finds himself more or less somewhere in the middle I thought it'd be a balanced conversation that way. And so I kind of want to just put that out there as to the reasons why I picked the people that I picked for this particular panel. Now, we did continue on our conversation uh, about critical race theory, about evictions, and about Afghanistan and whether or not we should be withdrawing from Afghanistan. But you know, since this conversation already went as long as it did, I took the second half of that conversation and I put it into a bonus episode. That bonus episode will drop later this week. 
So make sure that you are subscribed if you are interested in hearing how the panel felt about those three topics as we discussed them in the bonus episode. And if you are interested in seeing the video version of this, there is a chance, and I, I say that, I'm okay, I'm making a joke here. I'm gonna be putting the video version of this conversation up on YouTube later this week. So if you are interested in seeing the video version of the conversation that took place or the conversation with the bonus episode, that will be available on YouTube. The link to my YouTube channel is also in the description. So feel free to go subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. There will be more video content on there in the future. So definitely subscribe. Lastly, I want to say there's going to be some future panels coming on. I'll probably have some people that I had on today. I will have some new people on as well. I'm hoping to make panels more of a thing in the future. So please, you know, reach out to me again. Tell me what you think about these, about panel episodes. Tell me if you like them. Tell me all of your feelings, you know, don't feel, you know, feel free to, you know, hold nothing back there. And so with all that being said, I want to say thank you to all five of my guests who came on today, Leora Spunko, Fresh Faces New Ideas, Hardwood and Sock, Hunter Coleman, and Frank Styles. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Everyone's links are in the description. Please go check out the description to see where you can find everyone at online. And lastly, one more time, you know, I think that everyone... As I said in the episode, I do personally believe that everyone should go get vaccinated. I am vaccinated. I believe in vaccines. I think that people should not just for themselves, but for other people in our community and in our country and in this planet, there are so many of those who cannot get the vaccine and they are susceptible, but they will be better protected if there is, if we can get close to herd immunity. I very much believe that people should get vaccinated. If you have any concerns about it, you know, you can always reach out to me. I can tell you about my experience. Also, uh, just, yeah, just keep looking for information from, from the right sources, but, you know, keep doing your best to educate yourself and talk to your doctor about any concerns that you might have surrounding coronavirus or the vaccine. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. I hope that you all have a good week. See you in the bonus episode. See you in the next episode after that. Thank you for being a listener of Independent Thought.